Scully's big and bold radio conversation. There's always something good on. Your radio doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m. Welcome to our broadcast and welcome to yet another episode of Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. My name is Jesse, the African Sun. We are excited to dive into today's conversation and explore effective strategies for overcoming your business cash flow challenges. My colleague in the School of Business, Ephraim Ramwenji, shares insights that will undoubtedly provide you with the actionable guidance to enhance your business financial resilience. Ephraim, good to have you today again. Thank you so much, Jesse. How have you been since our last episode? I've been I've been okay. Um, though someone asked me about uh, whether I have uh, I can get a deep voice like yours <laughs> and go on radio, I'm like, come on, it doesn't work like that. But I can anyway, give you tricks. Yeah, no, Jesse, you just reduce the base. Eh? Try raw eggs. Okay, are you you're, okay? You're giving me a okay. Let's go. Huh? <laughs> I, I try what raw eggs. <laughs> uh huh. What else? Uh, raw eggs uh-huh. and then trying to sleep at least eight hours. And that's what will give it's me a deep voice. It's difficult for an entrepreneur, really, to sleep for eight hours. And that's but... what will give me a deep voice. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, my name is Ephraim. Let's get down to the business, Ephraim. Yeah, yes, please. Uh, <clears throat> a recap on what we talked about in the last episode. Yes. Um, so, we, we started on uh, the conversation of cash flow management. Um, so there was a definition of what is cash flow and what is cash flow management. We talked about cash flow is the inflow and outflow of money mm-hmm. in your business. Cash flow management is the management of those inflows and outflows. We talked about for you to be able to effectively manage your cash flow, you need to find ways to speed up the inflow mm-hmm. and slow down the outflow. Um, yeah. And so in a nutshell, that's what we, we, we talked about. So we continue this conversation today, talk about cash flow challenges mm-hmm. and solutions. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about the common cash flow challenges. What are some of these most prevalent challenges that businesses encounter when managing their cash flow? Okay, so this is the crazy bit. The number one challenge, number one challenge that plagues most small businesses when it comes to their cash flow is the owner. The owner is always the problem. Is that what they call the investor syndrome? I, I don't know. Okay, I've never heard of investor syndrome. But you, you would also, again, school of business, so you can also teach me. But... I'm, I'm talking about the owner. So there's this problem. When when you start a business, especially if you're a sole owner of a business, mm. where you, you do not differentiate between your personal finances and company finances. And normally this stems from the idea that most entrepreneurs, when they start out, okay, there are two groups. There are those that are starting it out as a side hustle. They have a job. They're putting some money aside. They're like, I want to do this to generate another stream of income. So in their mind, they're like, this business is another stream of income. So whatever money comes from it is also my money. Mm. There's another group that start a business from scratch. They don't have any source, other sources of income. They're like, this is my main source of income. And so to survive, they're like, oh, let me pick some money from, from my company to pay rent. Let me pick money from my from my company to buy food, to buy this. And that and ends up affecting the cash flow of the business. That is the number one challenge most businesses face. Now, quickly to, we're not talking about solutions, but that will come. But one of the most effective ways to handle such confusion or such such an issue is normally to understand that a business is separate from you, that it's a separate entity. And then there are ways practically that we will get into later, but that you can help with creating that degree of separation. A second challenge that is also pretty common is 
what we're also going to talk about when we talk about the solutions, poor planning. Mm. Most people think that one of the biggest challenges entrepreneurs have when it comes to cash flow is uh, late payments, uh, people, so a customer is not, gonna, is not paying on time, or they're dealing with um, receivables that are, that, are, that are pending or almost turning bad. No, it's actually poor planning. Failure to plan is planning to fail. It's as simple as that. If you don't sit and figure out, okay, what are the what is the strategy that I'm going to implement here? What are the changing? What's what's happening with the environment I'm in? We talked about embracing change in episode one. As the landscape changes, and I'm going to highlight on that later on. But mm. as the landscape changes, how am I adapting my business to deal with some of these ch- changes in, in relation to my cash flow? And so that's why I would say to you, as an as a business owner, plan because that's one of the biggest challenges. So poor planning. And also commingling your finances, personal finances with, with company finances. Those are the two major challenges. Late receivables and all of that come secondary. But if you can address those two main challenges, the other stuff pale in comparison. Let me just take your steps back. Yes, sir. Uh, the other day we had this business breakfast together. Mm-hmm. A lady walks into you and she's talking to you about her business. Mm-hmm. And uh, she mentions that one of her biggest challenges is mm. she's eating away her profit. Her profit. That's what she said. I remember that. And the choice of words, I want, I, want, I want you who's listening to hear this. She says, I'm eating away my profit. That's not a problem. It's your profit. It's your money. So it's not part of the investor problem. No. Now listen to what, when, we, when I sat down with her and I actually probed her. And it didn't even take, didn't even take five minutes to figure out what the problem was. She was confusing profit with revenue. Mm. You get so the difference revenue is the money that comes in from your sales profit is when you remove all your costs this is your working capital so this is how much you spent to to buy the products so that because she was selling jewelry so the cost that the money she used to, to to design and develop and buy the jewelry when you remove that from the revenue plus other overheads transport rent and whatever other costs she had that's what is profit. That is actually your money. So you have two choices. You can either reinvest that money to grow your business, to increase your capacity, or you can take it. But that will never affect the business's cash flow, especially if it's cash sales. But for her, all the money that came in, she would eat it. Doesn't this take us back to the high school mm-hmm. economics? Like, you know, we spoke about, we learned about sole entrepreneurship mm-hmm. one individual mm-hmm. running your boutique mm-hmm. it's your money in your wallet mm-hmm. you're working with it mm-hmm. you're working with some profit mm-hmm. and you can do anything you want to do with it and so that's one of the that's one of the biggest challenges and that's why i said when i started you'd think that it's late receivables that kill businesses from a cash flow perspective but it's not it's actually the owner and it requires a extremely high level of discipline that you find does not exist um does not exist unless you are consciously aware that you need to be disciplined so for example if i'm 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 going to expose myself here i'm a recently turned vegetarian (laughs) i know you're laughing but it's true i'm 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 I'm, i told myself i'm like i'm gonna get off meat you're serving the world i know it's actually that's being vegan i'm vegetarian i'm like no meat and obviously for health purposes you Mm. know but I'm saying this because someone asked me, they're like, but why don't you just like t- become, eat white meat? It's called, I think it's called a pescatarian or something like that, to that effect. Why don't you just eat? I'm like, no. I'm like, if I take any one type of meat, it's very hard for me to moderate the rest. I said, I need to 
really go cold turkey on meat and just be, umva, I'm a vegetarian and that's where it begins and ends. And that gives me the discipline because I'm conscious about my decision. And it's the same thing with entrepreneurs. You're not conscious about the shortcomings or the points of weakness or the vulnerable, yes, that's the word, the, the vulnerabilities that exist in cash flow management as a sole entrepreneur. You're never going to be able to fix the problem. What do I mean by that? When you look at how we manage money on a personal level, mm. how many of us budget? Okay, maybe I'm using technical words. How many of us plan for our money? Very few. What most people do is that they just know, oh, I have to pay rent. I have to do this. I have to do this. And they have this broad understanding of what needs, where their money needs to go. They take care of the obligations, but then the rest is just free game. So what ends up happening is someone doesn't save, someone doesn't invest, someone doesn't actually, they spend more than they need to. And actually that's where planning comes in because I, when you look at cost, cost is a very big, how you manage cost is a very big aspect to cash flow management. So what I'm trying to say is that if, as an entrepreneur, to, to prevent you from commingling your funds, you need to be very intentional about it. There are strategies. I'm not going to get into that today. We'll talk about that in another episode. But simple stuff like having as many as five accounts. So you have an operating account, you have a profit account, you have a, an investment account, and you separate all these things. So when your revenue comes in, you d remove the money you need for your working capital, you put it into another account. You remove another amount of money for your bills, you put that in your OPEX account. And you can do that based on, it's, there's a model, it's called Profit First. And he, he's like, this author talks about how you need to take your profit at the beginning of when you get your money, take it then. Don't wait until end of the quarter or end of the year or end of the month to calculate what, how much your profit is. Let me take you to your your beginning days. I okay. think in part of your business story, there is where you were selling sweets. Am I right? Yes. But that was a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Very and that's where I want ago. to take you. Okay. Were you conscious then? No. <laughs> just, I told you. I, I, you, you, I, you sold all the sweets and ate all the money. No, they say the money was sweet. <laughs> no, but, 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 but seriously though. It, no, seriously though. It's, it's one of those things where you, if you don't know the difference between revenue and profit, you are going to eat your money. Hmm. If you don't know that difference, you're going to eat your money. And because you see money come in, you think all of it is yours. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think people need to understand, you know, entrepreneurs, we have this thing where um, when someone asks, so tell me, tell me about your business. You're like, yeah, so, or when somebody's talking about their, their business, they're like, oh, so my company does uh, uh, 10 million francs in revenue per month. That's a useless number absolutely useless for the bank it works because they want to know your cash flow but the bank doesn't care whether your business is profitable they care if your business has cash flows hmm. because for them as long as you have the cash sitting on an account they can deduct and pay themselves but what matters to you is what is actually yours imagine profit i know we're talking about cash flow but this is very important because it's linked to cash flow because we're talking about how entrepreneurs eat their own money i mean eat company money that's not their money imagine you have a pipeline it's a pipeline that water passes through, right? Imagine revenue as all that water that's going through. It's going to go through 100%, right? But there's going to be some residual water that remains on the, on, the, on the inside of that pipe. Now that is your profit. What people make the mistake of thinking is that all that water that's passing through is theirs. And so they go and they eat that money, not thinking that, oh, there's another day tomorrow. So when the, when the landlord comes and goes, where's my money? They're like, ah, 
when the supplier, do you know how crazy it is? I will supply you with products. Uh-huh. You go and sell those products at a profit. Then when I come to ask you for the money for those products, you're like, ah, so you see, I'll have to let How is that even possible? You, I gave you products, you sold them at a profit. Where is my money? And so the logic should always be, as long as you have, let's say I buy the item at 10,000 francs, I'm selling it at 15. When I get that 15, that 15 is not mine. Because I have to remove 10 for the guy. I have to remove one for the guy, my employee who helps me sell the product. Mm. I have to remove another one for the landlord. That means I'm left with only 3,000. That 3,000 is also not mine. I have to pay Rwanda revenue. 900 francs. And then I, when, you, when you go back over time, you realize that a lot of entrepreneurs, when they commingle their funds, is, they miss that point. They think, oh, I have cash. I'm okay. And there's also something we'll talk about later. But I just, in another episode probably, is where we now talk about how you have to plan for the for seasons so you have your rainy days and you have your dry days right now in kigali it's 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 we went through we've just emerged from a really dry season the flowers are dry the grass is dry i feel like if you make a mistake and drop a match we're talking of <laughs> you, kind of five, five, down the city uh, pretty much mm. but we are not suffering in terms of water in terms of food I like the story of Joseph where he planned for the seven years, seven years of plenty for the seven years of scarcity. That's how an entrepreneur needs to see it. That all this money that they're making, all this cash flow that they have won't be there tomorrow. Okay, we pray that it will, mm. but it's not a guarantee. So when you have it, store it up. Don't chop it. Don't eat it. Don't chop my money. You go and enjoy yourself. Go to Dubai and I don't know where else people like to go. Ephraim Ramwenje here, student of business. I know we've dragged on this very first aspect of the common cash flow challenges mm-hmm. and where you as a business owner can be your own problem sometimes with knowledge sometimes without mm-hmm. knowing that you're actually the problem to your business we're trying to explore effective strategies for overcoming business cash flow challenges and here we're sharing insights that will provide you with actionable guidance to enhance your business financial resilience we'll be right back Welcome back to our broadcast. It's a school of business here with Ephraim Ramwenje. My name is Jesse, the African Sun. We're sharing insights that will provide you with actionable guidance to enhance your business financial resilience. We're speaking cash flow challenges and solutions today. Ephraim, I would like you to talk about late payments and receivables. I know we've mm-hmm. spoken about this, but how do businesses effectively manage and expedite receivables mm-hmm. to ensure a healthy cash flow so there's a book i love it's called seven habits of highly effective people it's a ver- it's one of those books that it's a classic it's it's it it's loved but it's almost slept on i feel like people feel like it's um one of those self-help books and it's like why should i read it but take time to study that book there's a there's a section in the book where he talks about um cir- circle of influence and circle of concern this is Stephen Covey. So mm. seven habits of highly effective people. So he talks about circle of influence and circle of concern. So he mentions how we have a circle of influence. That is the things within our control. And then he talks of a circle of concern. These are things beyond our control, but they can 
concern us. So, for example, you have the war in Ukraine. It's of concern to you and I, just you know, mm. because it's affecting prices of fuel, affecting inflation is, is on the rise because of some of the shortages in grain that will be supplied to the rest of the, the world through from Ukraine and mm. so on and so forth. It's in our circle of, of concern. But can you, can, you, can you go meet with Putin and ask him to, to stop, I mean, stop the war? Or Zelensky. It's absolutely impossible. Exactly. It's not within your circle of influence, but it's in your circle of concern. Mm. And what he talks about in his book, he says, there are things that are within your circle of influence, which are also in your circle of concern, but with, in your circle of concern, there are those that are within your circle of influence that you need to focus on. That's how you become more effective. So I'm not going to spend my whole day complaining and talking and strategizing about the war in Ukraine because I can't, I can't change anything. But if I'm talking about um, how my business is making money in terms of cost, from a cost perspective, that one is within my circle of concern and also my circle of influence. So I'm going to spend my day thinking about that. And so I bring this up because when it comes to late payments and late receivables, it's very hard to control a customer. Extremely hard. But there are ways you can do so. So one of the easiest ways is how you structure your, your contracts. If you're not doing a contract, you don't have an official contract because there are two types of contracts. There's a, an official contract where you put it on paper and you write, but then there's an unofficial one, which is a verbal agreement between you and a customer. So the customer is like, I'm going to give you my money for this particular product. That is a, a contract. There's consideration, mm-hmm. there's agreement, and then there's consent, which is the, 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 at the heart of a, of a, of a, of a, of a business contract. Um, so you have this contract, and what is the contract? The customer takes his products on credit, and you're now waiting for your payment. It could be products or services. I mentioned this yesterday. I said that you can incentivize early payment. So you tell them, ah, if you can pay me within 30 days, I'll give you a 5% discount. But here's something else I didn't mention yesterday that you can add to that. Penalties for late payment. Add an interest. Yeah, I've tried that. I think it's, it's, it's not working. It doesn't work. Yeah. Now, now you could mention it in documents that there will be a penalty. That will... But now this is how I was going to mention. How, this is how you can structure it. The only way for penalties for late payment can can be effective is if there's something for your customer to lose in the event that they don't honor. There has to be something that they lose. Because if you give a customer a product and he has the product and he's using the product and you tell him, if you don't pay me, I'm going to charge you more money, there's nothing he's going to lose. Because as far as he's concerned, as per the contract, he got what he needed. Mm-hmm. So even when you're going to go give him that service deny him something until you get your full money. Doesn't that require that you're so effective in how you do your operations, your service is of a certain standard. Exactly. It's almost unavoidable. Exactly. So so that's why I'm trying to say that at the end of the day, imagine your business as a human body. It cannot exist with just lungs or with just a heart or with just a stomach or a nervous system or a brain. That it, trust me, if we removed any of those things from your body as it, as it is today, you would collapse. You would fall sick, gravely sick or even die. Hmm. But in of themselves, by themselves, they cannot exist. It's an ecosystem. So you find that you cannot talk about your cash flow and effective um, collection on receivables if you're not dealing with, if you don't have a very effective, well-thought-out, structured operating s- structure. You need to have a well-designed business. 
and not not all sizes fit not what it's not one size fits all when it comes to business it's highly contextual contextual to that your business model contextual to your character as a business person contextual to the partners you have involved contextual to the kind of capital you have in your business contextual to even the the country and environment that you find yourself doing business in or even where you get your products from or the nature of your relationship with your partner, with your with your suppliers, even the, the number of employees you have, they, the, to what extent do you incorporate technology? And so these are so many aspects that you have to sit down and think and th- and think through. That's why I mentioned this in episode one, and I'm not the first person to say this, and so many people say this that as an entrepreneur, you need to be working on your business and not in your business. Because if you work in your business, you're always going to have these problems, and you'll never figure out a solution because you never have the time to actually think. Because you can't think of a solution if you're not thinking. You're just running. Let me just hold you there. You're an entrepreneur. You've set up the business. You've put in Mm. money. Mm -hmm. And after putting in money now, Mm -hmm. you create your targets. Mm -hmm. We must be able to make this certain Mm -hmm. level of revenue Mm -hmm. generation uh, if we are to exist. Mm -hmm. You have few clients. Mm -hmm. You are below target. Mm -hmm. These clients are not paying on time. Mm. You're trying to structure how payments can be done. Mm. And it becomes really very complicated. Mm. How do you balance of all of these things? Not being able to meet your targets, your clients are not paying up, Mm. and you still need to survive. Okay, so again, it's highly contextual. So I'm not going to give this, I'm not going to give this, I'm not going to say what I'm about to say and say it's going to work for everyone. If you really genuinely want to figure out a solution, I think, Someone can look for me. But generally, in general terms, this is what actually it entails. If you realize that you're struggling to structure decent contracts, because it comes down to structuring contracts. Mm. People actually underestimate what it means to structure. Remember I mentioned we structure deals with profit in mind, but we never structure deals with cash flow in mind as well. Remember I mentioned this in our last episode. Mm -hmm. I said that, when most people go structure a deal, they make sure that there's profit. They're like, okay, my cost to, to service this person is going to be two million. So I'm going to build them five or three or something. Like, so I have something extra in there for myself, right? But how many of them actually say, okay, I also need to make sure to start the work, I need at least 1.5. So when they tell the client, okay, I'm going to bill you five million, but I need an advance of X percentage, have they factored that in? And so very few people actually take the time to do that. But now, if let's say you're struggling to, to structure your contracts like that and you're dealing in a cash... Granted, if you're selling a physical product, forget credit. Like, why are you giving people product on credit? Unless it's a new product in the market and you're trying to sell, but then there, you need to be accept the fact that you're going to lose money on, on a couple of transactions. So that becomes more like your investment. Exactly, in marketing. If it's a new product. If it's an existing product, let people pay. Cash. If it's a product. Mm. Services... There you can understand someone needs to take it on credit. Now there is contract structuring. Unless if it's where your friends. Friends can take credit. Nope. <laughs> nope. If you're my friend and you're going to ask me for a service, pay. Cash. Because, again, if you can't afford it as my friend and you really need it. Okay, let's just say that when you mix money and friendship, you will either lose the friend or lose the money. We have a few more minutes to conclude mm-hmm. this episode mm-hmm. and we have not touched on so many okay. uh, elements that we thought we should touch on. Mm-hmm. Quickly, uh, there are seasons. You've spoken about the seasons and uh, you know being prepared for the bad 
the bad days or rainy days, mm -hmm. whichever you call them, mm -hmm. how can businesses navigate cash flow challenges arising from seasonal fluctuations? Mm -hmm. uh, let's just put the two business words. Mm -hmm. These fluctuations are coming from demand mm -hmm. and revenue. I've said this and I'll keep saying it until you get fed up with me and you're like, okay, we don't want to listen to this podcast anymore. Planning. Jesse, you need to plan. People don't actually understand how effective planning is. Like, it's one of those things that if you just plan, like, you realize life is very easy. Like, this, every problem that we have, I think like 80% of the world's problems can be solved by planning. Now, somebody's like, oh, but how can you plan in an uncertain, an, an uncertain environment? Like, it's what, and like, that's actually why you plan. That some people says, no, you know, now I'm talking now on a personal level, that people you're like, you need to set your life goals. Where do you see yourself in five years? And they're like, nah, um, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm like, Umva, write your goals. You will, it, they will help you figure it out. Like, it's, it's kind of like putting the donkey before the, 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 sorry, putting the cart before the donkey. Or trying to argue the egg chicken kind of thing. So it's the same thing when it comes to um, cash flow management. You need to plan. Now, the interesting thing about planning, and this is now when we're talking about seasons. When you plan, what do you plan for? You plan to how you're going to build up cash reserves in the good times. I talked about rainy seasons and the dry seasons, right? There's a, a season where it's plentiful, where everything, there's so much. And you need to plan for that. You need to be like, okay, in this season when I have plenty, how am I putting away a reserve for the time when there's not? Because I'll give you a simple example. Throughout the year, revenue generation is cyclical. We know it. We know that towards around this, around September, August, October, towards the end of the year, in Rwanda at least, that's where there's a little bit more cash moving mm -hmm. around then towards the beginning of the year through it through to the mid like first quarter maybe you see something but once you get to like around april moving all the way to july august you find that it dries up a bit mm. now how do you plan for that because it's not like you're gonna fire your employees or you're gonna close down your store so you need to say okay in the good times when i have the cash flow i'm not gonna make a lot of investments again these are strategies and it depends on the nature of your business so you're only going to increase capacity in the dry seasons because again you have if you have cash in the dry seasons you have leverage so you can negotiate with people and supplies again this is another episode where we can sit and we can talk about how to invest your extra proceeds in terms of when we're talking about profitability mm. but in the dry seasons when you have this extra cash you can go negotiate because people need money that's when now you invest in extra capacity now when you get into the the the, the season of abundance where there is extra cash moving around it's it's a good time what you do is you pile up your reserves for the dry season and so that's one example now you have like i said there are many many strategies one can implement when it comes to dealing with with the fluctuations the seasonal elements of of of, of how cash comes in and out of our business comes in and goes out of our businesses but if you sit and you plan for those eventualities because you have a sense of not just your business but also the macroeconomic environment in which you operate even at a global level and you can try to predict it you'll be surprised you never run out of cash but let me ask this and i'd like you to confirm mm -hmm. from experience and using the sense of reality mm -hmm. Maintaining a steady cash flow. Is this something realistic for a business owner? That it is possible that there are strategies that mm -hmm. someone can implement mm -hmm. to ensure they consistently have a steady cash flow mm -hmm. throughout mm -hmm. 12 months mm -hmm. in a year. Perfect. I love that question. Let me show you something that's really crazy. My own experience. What are the two biggest stresses of an entrepreneur when it comes to cash at month end? 
it's paying salaries and paying rent. Not so? Mm-hmm. Do you know if you, like in my case, what we were able to do, we're able to structure an arrangement with a bank for an unsecured overdraft that would kick in to top up whatever money we had on our accounts to settle salaries and to settle rent. So you found that I never really stressed that much. This is now something that I learned towards the end of my, I would say, pre-COVID, like towards the end of my business in the particular businesses that I was in before. I would not, when it hit the 25th of the month, I would not be like, do we have enough money to pay salaries? No. Do we have enough money to pay rent? No. I'll just, my the, the financial controller would prepare the, the payroll. He would take it to the bank. The bank would call me. I confirm the overdraft. I'm like, yes. So sometimes you'd find if we're short of 2 million, they'll top up. If we're short of 1 million, they'll top up. If we're short of 4 million, they'll top up. If we didn't have the whole balance, they'll pay. But it was not that much. Because what you're looking for is not the the full salary, which is gross plus taxes. You're just looking for what needs to go into the pockets of the employees that month. Mm. So you find that that was one of the solutions that really helped. Now, if you don't have access to 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 banking products, because I think that is something that not everybody has the luxury of, I'd say that you just need to fully understand what determines how money leaves your business. And then you plan for it and strategize. I'll give you a simple example. If you supply products to somebody who's construct who is in construction so you supply him maybe um tiles or or cement or something something and you know that this person is going to get paid after they complete or they hit a milestone right or they complete the building and your payment is dependent on that go get information find out how far is he from completing so that you can plan mm-hmm. because i feel like we can always plan there looks, are, actually it looks like everything is just about Planning. Planning when it comes to controlling and managing your cash flow effectively. Yeah. Uh, lastly, mm-hmm. uh, in just a minute, mm-hmm. controlling costs and expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I know any finance person will be interested <laughs> in, in this particular part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But how does cost control play a role in improving cash flow? And uh, is there anything you can share mm-hmm. on cost-saving strategies for okay. An entrepreneur. Okay, so I'll keep it short because really this one is... It's, it's, it can it's, be broad. It's, it's, it's so straight. No, but it's actually very straightforward. So again, we talked of cash flow being what? Inflow and outflow of, of money into your business. So how does money leave the business? Costs. So if you can control your costs, you can control how, how money leaves your business. Now, sometimes you can't control the amount, but you can figure out, again, because this is about how f- the outflow, not necessarily the how much is flowing out. So you need to control how often money leaves your business. I told you, you need to always have a factor minimum of two to one. Meaning, if, if money is leaving your business one day a week, you need to make sure that money is coming in twice, two days a week. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. Now, these are the strategies. I'll give you three. These are the main ones. I talked about one yesterday. AFC. AFC is number one. AFC stands for Avoid Fixed Costs. I explained what fixed costs were in in in, in a previous episode. And in our I think it was our previous episode and even the episode before that. Mm-hmm. If you can avoid fixed costs, it helps you. Why? Because you're not obliged to pay if, if you have not generated any income. Mm. The second one I'll talk about is the payday approach. I mentioned this. Pick one day a week. All your suppliers, all your vendors, everybody knows that there's only one day a week money leaves this company. Only one. So like I told you, make it a Friday or a Thursday. 
Then the last but not least, which is equally as which is equally as important, always negotiate. You'd be surprised how you can get ridiculously good deals if you just negotiate it. The only problem is with negotiation, I've noticed with a lot of people why they struggle with negotiation is patience. They don't have the patience to keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. The good thing about lack of patience, it's a double-edged sword. Because the person you're negotiating with also doesn't want to be go through that mess. So if you mm-hmm. keep wearing them down, eventually they'll be like, ah, okay, you, 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 you take it at whatever price you want. Or take it at that price. Or take it at a price slightly below, above what you want. Mm. But when you do that, you'd be surprised how much. And by the way, it's not just even negotiating price. It's also negotiating terms. That's very true. We need to come to the end of this conversation. I know there's so much to talk about. This is living entrepreneurship. And it's a conversation to explore strategies for overcoming your business cash flow challenges. We'll continue with this series on cash flow and i hope you find help here is a school of business with Ephraim Romwenji as we bring to you information that will provide you actionable guidance to enhance your business and bring you financial resilience thank you so much for being part of this episode we're excited and looking forward of course for you to join us on the next one bye-bye, Bye-bye.